the question you have to ask yourself, what is that fear? Is it failure? Is it not finishing whatever you want to do? For me, it was the fear of judgment. For me, it was the fear of rejection. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, wherever you are in the world. Thank you for watching live. If you're listening to the recording on your favorite streaming platform or on convos.com, good day to you too. We're going to have another amazing episode of Social Convos. Diego, how are you today? Pretty good. We almost made a boo-boo. Forgot to <laughs> put in all the channels. <laughs> well, it's almost going to be a record-only session today. But hopefully yeah. we fix that. But that's fine. Luckily, everything's up again. We had a... Yesterday was a very interesting day. Like everything, Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp was down. And curious to know how you found that. I was more on Twitter than usual. I think, I think that's, that's one thing. I actually didn't know that Facebook was down and that WhatsApp was down. And that Instagram was down. I found out that it was down through uh, Twitter trending. Maybe Facebook. Maybe Facebook was trending on Twitter. But like, what's going on? And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, which also seems to be fair to say that I'm less on Facebook than I used to be. Because I hadn't, I haven't even noticed it. That, that, that's a good thing, I gotta say. And yeah, I, I noticed it. Actually, my brother asked me, why isn't my WhatsApp message sending? So I, I checked and later figured out, okay, it's not just WhatsApp, it's Facebook and everything else. And I'm curious to find out how our guest found yesterday. But before we found out what her experience was, let's introduce her briefly. And she'll tell us more about herself in a bit. Our guest tonight is, well, yeah, tonight for us, is Ananta Kamraj. She is here in Suriname from the Netherlands. I guess a, I'll, I'll call it a workation. She'll correct me if I'm wrong. But I bumped into her last week actually after I had a drink at Wangbong with another friend from the Netherlands who is here on vacation. And funny story, you actually met her Sunday when we had dim sum with Chandel. So in this rare occasion. It's all connected. Yeah, it's a serendipitous moment. We got to sit down with a previous guest and a current guest at one table to just talk live, talk interesting stuff. And Ananda will tell us more about her journey, her curiosity. Something I really look up to, to Ananda is the way she asks questions and that she has no like fear of looking for the truth. And that kind of paved the way towards where she is now. And she'll probably tell us more about either her journalistic background, filmmaking background, everything she's done up till now and what she's currently doing here in Suriname. Ananda, welcome to Social Combos. Thank you guys. And thank you for this really nice introduction. I was listening to it and I was like, 
Okay. Well, it's been a journey, definitely. It's been a journey and curiosity is really the core of my journey. As a child, actually already, I got scolded here in Suriname by my teachers because I used to ask too much questions, <laughs> but I'm glad that I, I kept that in a way because it's not always difficult to be curious in Suriname when you are small or when you're growing, but it's, it's something I, sometimes it, it, they always say, say like curiosity kills the cat. And sometimes I come into situations where I'm like, maybe my curiosity was not really helping me, but it also brings you a lot. And yeah, that's, it's part of the journey. Definitely. All right. We'll talk about that more in a bit, but how did you find yesterday? Did you have the same experience like Shan Luke? Did you notice it even? How connected are you to the online space? I'm really connected, but more in a way that I'm a news junkie. So we had a team meeting with the team, my film team here, and I couldn't really reach them through WhatsApp, but I have my alerts, my news alerts. So within a few minutes, I found out that there was a problem with social media, with Facebook and with WhatsApp, but actually I liked it a bit. I had this conversation with a friend because I'm making a documentary here and social media can be an issue for a lot of people to speak up or it's really difficult for me now being here and getting people in front of the camera, especially young people. In my last film, it was really easy to talk to young people in front of the camera, but making this film and being here now for more than two weeks, I got really frustrated because nobody really wanted to talk on camera. And the reason they, they gave me was that they are scared that they would be um, scolded or made fun of on the internet, which is something we see a lot at these times. So I was like, oh, let it be canceled in Suriname for a long time. Maybe that's that maybe that's part of the solution for us speaking to each other on other in, in life and in, in have, have conversations together, not behind a desk or anonymous. And so we, it, 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 I, I felt a bit relieved actually. Interesting. Before we jump into more in depth behind the story of Ananta, quickly, we want to give a shout out to the people watching as well. Hedwig is watching on, on LinkedIn. Janelva agrees with you. She said, I like, kind of liked it as well, that everything was off. And Devin said, yes, I found out because of work. And after he found out, he went straight to Twitter as well. And Ricky wants to know a little bit more about what the topic is tonight. And tonight, Ricky, basically the topic is curiosity. And let's start off with a curious question. And I wanted to bring up the curiosity kills the cat and you brought it up straight away. So that was kind of funny. But the first question for me is, do you consider yourself a journalist? Do you consider yourself a filmmaker or do you consider yourself a bit of both? I find it a difficult question because when are you a journalist and when are you a filmmaker? And I'm also in the Netherlands, I have another job. I work at the bank. So I find it a bit hard to define myself within a certain pr profession. I do stuff that is related to journalism. I make, I'm making documentaries. I'm working on the second one. So 
it's, I find it a bit, a lot to call myself a filmmaker. I, I'm not sure when you are a filmmaker, but I'm just trying something. But I also have a profession within the bank and that's my main job actually. So it would be a bit difficult for me to define myself within profession, within a profession, but the core and everything I do is my curiosity. I want to know the banking system. So I start working with the bank. I want to, want to find out how it works with filmmaking. So start doing a film and I wanted to explore the media. So I've, I've worked here as a journalist, but I'm just the, the, the term journalist, I don't think I, I deserve that yet. So would you say you correlate the association with the job, the terminology, like journalism, filmmaker, do you correlate that with an income or the amount of hours you put into executing that? No, I, I wouldn't relate it to income. I wouldn't relate it to the hours you put in a certain profession. I would relate it to the education, the skill, the, 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 the track record. And I don't feel personally that I have the track record yet to call myself a filmmaker or call myself a journalist, but I can call myself uh, a lobbyist for the bank because I've been doing that for four years now. So yeah, it, it's for me, it's the track record and what have you accomplished within a certain profession. So I'm not, I'm not comfortable calling myself a filmmaker or, or a journalist yet. All right. Well, for many, most people who started out have not written as many blog posts or articles as you have not even produced a documentary like you have. So as a observer, I'd consider you a one, be it in a scale, if you want to scale from, you know, beginner to pro, whatever, doesn't matter. You are executing. So I would consider you both and you are combining actually both. And I think documentaries making documentaries is kind of journalism and filmmaking combined like a marriage between the two. So I think you found a way to combine those curiosities into one thing. And I'm not sure how the banking fits into that, but I'm sure it you have a bigger plan. Me, yes. Yeah, I, I'm sure you have a bigger plan behind it as well, but yeah. So we got a few more comments coming in. Everything looks great and sounds good. And we actually have a Twitch viewer, which is very rare. Welcome again, Zess. So yeah. All right. So very interesting. You're a lobbyist at the bank. So what set you on the path to finding out more about the banking system in particular? So it was not really, my curiosity didn't start out with the banking system. So I was working here as a journalist in Suriname and I, I was presenting a radio news blog and I had this interview with, he was then, I think he was the minister of finance. He was not the governor of the central bank anymore. We know him as Gilmar Hoofdraad. And I was, uh, it had been two years for me being working as a journalist at uh, ABC. And I really wanted him to be my guest in my show because nobody else was able to get him. 
and he lived around the corner of ABC. So it was not, it was a time period. We had the elections in 2015 and after that, everything immediately started to go downhill with our economy. So I really felt the need to have him in my, in my show. So I went to him, to his house every morning because he wouldn't speak to uh, the media. Actually, he would do uh, press conferences, but one-on-one he wasn't uh, doing that. So for two weeks, every day I went to his house in the morning to ask his, his guard if he was able to come to my, to my new show. And after two weeks, he made his secretary called and he said, I'm going to join you, but on I have one consideration or how do you say that? I have one, one condition, one condition. The expert panel would also, I mean, I'm, I'm asking the questions, but there are, there's a panel who really asks the deeper questions and the technical questions. He said, I don't want them to be there. It's just you and me. And I think it was a bit of my ego that said, you should just do it because nobody else will have him. So you have this golden opportunity. And I thought I will prepare myself really well for this interview. I did, but having him across me and not being able to and not having a, a financial background, not having uh, a certain kind of financial literacy, not being able to understand the economic language. I mean, you can understand economics in a certain way, but when someone starts to talk in their economic language, it was not easy to follow him. And I, I was not confident enough to just, just tell him, Mr. Hoofdraad, if I'm not able to understand what you're saying, the, li the listeners will also not be able to understand it. It was just, I screwed up big time. But it also sparked and started my curiosity within economics. Like I really felt the need to understand the economic system and how it works and how the financial work world works. And it triggered something in me to, to do, educate myself. So I left Suriname within three months actually and to do my pre-master in economics and when I studied my, did my pre-master economics you start to get to understand the language and a whole new world opens up for you and so I wanted to find out how it was in 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 the real world you know you're st you're studying a lot but how is it in the real world so I just started at the bank with the intention to go back to journalism, but we're now four years uh, ahead and I haven't turned back to journalism in the way I was doing journalism then. I've become a lobbyist of the bank. I have never thought that I would be. So my friends, if they, they also are like, how did you end up with a bank? Out of curiosity, what does a lobbyist do at a bank? So I'm a lobbyist of the agriculture part of the bank. I work with a bank which has a big background within agriculture. And as a lobbyist, you, you defend or you, you, the interests of the bank, you try to, how do I say this? You try to protect the interests of the bank within the agriculture se sector. 
but not only the interest, because the, when we say the interest of the band, we always think about money, right? But it's more than that. It's also making sure the sustainability laws that are necessary to make a transition possible within agriculture, that you are with, within the bank, we are really aligned with all those legislations that, that is being made within politics. So I'm between the bank, the politics and the farmers in uh, the Netherlands. And when I have to go to the farmers or between cows, they look at me like, what? how are you? Who's this brown girl here in, in this farming world? But I love it. It's, it's, it's amazing to, and it sparked a new interest. I've really got really interested in the agriculture sec sector also here in Suriname. I've never. We have to jump into this. We have to jump into this because especially on the politics level in Suriname, there has been mentioned, we want to do more with agriculture. Now, if you look at the Dutch system compared to the Surinamese system, what are laws or what are certain kinds of legislation which you found effective in the Netherlands, which would work here as well to better protect the farmers or to make it easier for them? For me, that's a difficult question because I don't have a lot of knowledge of the system here in Suriname, how the farming system really works here in Suriname. But if I analyze the, the, the farming system in the Netherlands and what makes it work in a way it works now, it's because it's really organized. Farmers are, are well organized through, throughout the, the whole chain. People are really well organized. So if we want to accomplish something, you have the, 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 you know, which, which are the right people to go to, to make something happen. But you also are able to identify problems uh, a lot easier. So I think in Suriname, we have a lot of opportunities, but our biggest challenge is how are we going to organize ourselves to be able to grab those opportunities? We need to organize and work together. We need to start working together. And that's also something I see happening within the farming industry in the Netherlands. They really need each other. If you are part of the, I wouldn't know the, the English names of it, but you have Ackerbau, you have, you have Feehouderei. They all collaborate because they need each other's stuff, actually. Uh, yeah, they're part of a broader supply chain, I assume, right? Yes, yes. And, they, and their interests are organized. I mean, I'm just part of one part of the uh, interest group, if you would say it like that, they have a voice. And I think here in Suriname, farmers, they have uh, trouble to make their, they don't really have a voice in, in, in the system. But again, I don't really know the uh, agriculture system here. I'm trying to find We're it. not going to bite you on, on that. That's also not our intention. I think to put it more in, an, in, a, in, in a perspective, you've lived in both Suriname and the Netherlands. You were actually born in the Netherlands, grow, grew up in Suriname. So you've both lived, uh, both lived in both countries. What would be interesting for me is 
from both a living perspective in the Netherlands and in Suriname, what are like, if you could combine the two, like get the best of both worlds, which, which things about the Netherlands and which things about Suriname would you be like, yes, I want to have that part basically 12 months a, a year instead of just when you're at, in that country. Let me start with the Netherlands because I'm in the ne I live in the Netherlands now. The biggest aspect of what I really like about the Netherlands is the opportunity uh, to learn and the opportunity to explore. It's, it's like this playground where you have teachers all over the place. Everything is your teacher. If you are in your work environment, if you watch the TV, wherever you are, there's something to learn. And in the phase I am right now, learning is just my biggest occupation. I, I really love to learn new things and meet new people, et cetera, et cetera. But it's not the place where I want to live, live. It's, it's the place I want to be is Suriname. And the reason I want to be in Suriname is because of the biggest reason I really want to be in Suriname is I feel home at home here. I think that's the most important aspect of why I want to be here. And I feel like I, I belong in Suriname, but I also feel like there's a lot to do in our country in Suriname. And I've really been formed by both so the Netherlands and Suriname, but for me, Suriname is really in my heart and the Netherlands is has a place in my heart as well. It's not that I'm not happy there. I love being there. I love the work I'm doing there right now. But Suriname, if I could have the the opportunity to learn and the things I've, I'm doing not there now in Suriname, then I would be here tomorrow. But actually, I don't really need that. I'm here now and I feel like, why am I, what am I doing in the Netherlands actually? My girlfriend is there. That's the biggest reason, I think. But otherwise, I'm not sure anymore what I'm doing there. Learning. So to sum it up, it's basically, I could see it as a playground to just try things, learn things, do things. There's a pool of opportunity or things to try. And you could switch from one thing to another in an instant, basically. And Gregory says it's here. This is probably the weirdest career trajectory he's seen. And it, I think it's, it's, you're a perfect example of that. It's possible to switch from one thing to another 180 degrees. And if you look at it from a broader perspective, everything is kind of interconnected, even if you, if it doesn't seem that way in the beginning. It is the core of it for everything I do. But that's something I realized just recently is that I really like the complexity of certain aspects. So within film, I'm searching for the, the polarization. How do I say it in English? Polarization. Yeah. Polarization yeah. Of, of how to unite people within my profession, within the bank, the agriculture in the Netherlands, it's a mess. We have a lot of issues there right now, and there's, there isn't really a lot of unity within agriculture. So the core of everything I do within, if it's with film, if it's with the bank, if it's in Suriname, if it's, if it's in the Netherlands, 
it's trying to to contribute to unity and and that's the core but it has different kind of forms in which i'm doing that so i have a question about is that you jump from several different things and i think this past week i met up with an old friend again and he kind of shared with me like he uh, we, we we did a lot of stuff back in the day and he's kind of the curious type as well similar to you jumping from one thing to the next starting a project and then curiosity hits him again and he starts another thing goes down that rabbit hole and then he said he pulled up one of his old usb sticks and he had folders of projects he started and then just left there unfinished or completed or totally pivoted to something new. So how do you, having done such different things, look back at the things you've tried, you had, you went down a path, uh, you either hit a wall or something else got your attention. So you diverted from that path. How do you look back at the older paths or the previous paths? Or do, do, do you think you go back or? Do you see implementation in your current pad in some way? What do you do with everything that's you've archived so far, if that makes sense? It makes sense. It makes sense because when you are in that journey of, you know, you, 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 you're focused on that new thing that really sparked your interest and you get in that hole and you don't really understand why it sparks that interest, but it's just there. But when you have done that a few times, the baggage you carry with you, all the archives you have, they, they add up. And yes, I've hit a lot of walls in, in different things that I've done, but, but I've always, I took my baggage with me in, in the process and definitely making this film. It's like as if everything comes together in, in making this project. All those also personal, I mean, we, we, we've been talking about the curiosity on a, on a professional level, but it's also on pers on a personal level and the things you learn when you have a curious mindset, they don't disappear. All those. The, a friend of yours has your USB stick. My USB stick is somewhere here in my head or in my heart and I forget about it. And then something happens. And yesterday I had this recording with a friend, with a really, really old friend. And, and within that conversation, something came up, which was, it, it was a feeling of like so many years back, but it's always there. It's always there and it helps you in the next journey you're in and especially in the film I'm making now. So does that kind of also answer the question about overcoming fear? Like I think a lot of people that want to do certain things, they're curious, but then they reach a point where fear kicks in, like fear of not being able to finish, fear of not, of not making it being successful, especially when you transition that much, because taking the jump, it takes kind of a leap of faith or at least a lot of self-confidence to pull through with it. Uh -huh. So what would you say to like people that have kind of, they know, they feel that they should do something different, but they fear making that transition too much. 
I have been on, at that point in my life and I haven't been there in a long time anymore, but I'll never forget that feeling because I, it was that feeling I had for my whole teenage life actually is the fear. And it's the question is, the question you have to ask yourself, what is that fear? Is it failure? Is it not finishing whatever you want to do? For me, it was the fear of judgment. For me, it was the fear of rejection. And we're not aware, I think I was not aware how much I grew up in a, in, in within a certain kind of environment, having a lot of thoughts and beliefs that weren't really mine, but you have to be honest at a certain point when you feel you're not happy anymore. Are those visions or your dreams that you have and that you are pursuing at that point, at that time, are they really yours or are they something you get from your environment, your parents, your family, or the school system you're in? And so I was at that point and I quit school at a certain point because I felt like I really wasn't in touch with myself anymore. I didn't know who I was anymore. Um, and it was the most difficult decision because I was graduating from, from the university. I was at that stage, but I had to, I, I had to let it go. And that was, that was fearful definitely, but it was the most liberating moment of my life, maybe at this point. Time. Yeah, maybe I have it again at a certain time, but it gave me the courage to understand that if you feel that you need to make a certain choice, it comes with a lot of anxiety, but the liberation that it also brings after you have, after you went through all those anxiety moments. Etc. Etc. It's as if I live for them now that I'm searching for okay, which is my next, what's the next jump gonna be? But I'm, I've I've become a lot more. I, I'm not jumping that much anymore. Maybe that's because you're in a relationship and you're you get a bit older and yeah, life happens. It, it sounds very familiar. It sounds very life familiar. happens. But I'm I'm happy where I'm at, at now. Do you want to switch it up a little bit? Do you, I think it's time for some over under questions. So we'll be asking you some questions and you get to say whether or not you think it's overrated or underrated. And of course you get the opportunity to elaborate, to elaborate a little bit about that as well. Diego, how many do you want to do and who's going to, who's going to kick it off? I think we can do the usual three each. I'll give you a chance to start this one. Okay. Okay. So Ananta, physical books, like an actual book that you can read, is that underrated or is it overrated? And if I say like it's underrated, I mean that... People I, should spend more time. Yes, definitely underrated. I love my books. They're, yes, it's, it's, it's where I get my, yeah, it's the way I travel. I'm not really uh, a traveler yet. I want to travel more, but as a child, I felt like I traveled a lot through reading a lot of books. 
What are you currently reading before I go to my... <laughs> Uh, it's uh whoa that sounds that that name sounds familiar or looks familiar yes it's about the role of the netherlands in 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 1980 or the coup so it's a bit heavy out of curiosity can i ask a little bit more so is it written by hans falk himself no, it's written by Ellen de Vries. Ellen de Vries is a researcher and a writer. And she has done a lot of research on diff different subjects in Suriname. One of her books is also about the media in Suriname. And she did research on the reports that are being held by the back by the Netherlands, by the, by the government of the Netherlands till 2006. And it's about this time period and I'm making a movie, which also looks into these aspects. So it's actually re I'm doing research. Okay. Sorry about that, Diego. I got, I got even more curious, but we'll leave it okay. for now. And I'm just rubbing off on, on you. So that's good. <laughs> All right. Okay. So first one for me is. Being in a bank, banking sector now, is a bank loan overrated or underrated? Ooh, overrated. Oh, my, my, thank God my bank is not watching. I hope that my... I'm going to have to card, cut this out for the, <laughs> for the audio section, but Diego, just kidding. It's, it's, I think it's a bit overrated in the sense that I mean, there are, we need to be able to look further to financing possibilities and working within a bank, they have really difficulty in switching up through different kinds of financing possibilities, but that's also part of the banking system. It's not like the bank can easily make those decisions. It's they work in a system and yeah, it, it, it holds us a bit back. But we have the Facebooks now and the IT corporations, so something is going to happen soon. And the banking system is aware of it as well, so. Interesting, interesting. So my second over under is Netflix documentaries. Overrated or underrated? Underrated. But I'm, I'm, I'm a documentary, uh, I, I really love documentary, so I would definitely always say underrated. So, so what, what is a Netflix documentary that you would recommend personally? Uh, I haven't watched Netflix in a few months now because I've been really focused on the film I'm making. I can't come up with one right now out of my head. Held it. I think the last one I watched was, wait, but what was it called again? The one with the ocean stuff. Forgot what it's called. Uh, that's the one. Yes. Yeah. That's the one, last one I, I watched. And I think I have another one that you recommended, Shanluk, that's still on my to watch list. And on the yeah. And of course, the, what's it called? The one about social networks. Oh yeah. 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 yeah definitely. Yes. I know that one. Yeah. All right. Okay. So that's a few recommendations if you're listening that we've uh, personally seen. Next one for me is a PowerPoint presentation. Uh -huh. 
Is that underrated or overrated? So within lobby, for example, we use a lot of presentations and paperwork and et cetera, et cetera. And don't get me wrong. I do see the have function of a presentation, a PowerPoint presentation. But within my profession, lobbying, we need to spice it up and do more with video or different kind of how to share information and how to communicate certain kind of communication. It's always with a PowerPoint presentation, but there are different kind of ways to do that nowadays. And so, yeah, it's not like I really have a great opinion about PowerPoint presentation, but if you ask me, I would say a bit overrated. Got it. And I, I find it very interesting that you mentioned video for something as mundane as that. Very interesting to spice it up. And I have a quick follow up on that before Shandu goes to his last one. Do you think people should learn how to make videos from a filmmaker perspective and from a lobbyist perspective, what would be the one thing, one, one added value you would say that video adds to it? You get to know yourself. You get, when you are making a film, it, it doesn't matter what kind of subject you choose, but you really have to dive deep to what your thoughts are about the subject. So it's, it, 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 and that's what's, it's, what it's been doing for me. It really pushes you to think really hard on some subjects, but to be able to do that, you really need to be able to reflect on your, on yourself, on your thoughts, et cetera, et cetera. So I would definitely say that we all should be making a movie or doing something because it helps you learn things about yourself, you are not really able to learn through different kind of other routes. So filmmaking is something I would recommend to everybody to do. Yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking how I, f I can frame it to make it a little bit financial, but not make it too like controversial. So I'm going to say mobile payments, mm -hmm. underrated or overrated. Depends if you ask me from which is, I don't know how it is here in Suriname, but in the Netherlands, I think it's underrated because I, I don't have, I don't have my banking card with me anymore. I, everything I do is with my phone. So I like it and I think it's something, yeah, we should develop more with, of course, there are a lot of other issues to consider in that area, but underrated. All right, last one for me, I'm going to stick a bit to the online space and online creation. Anonymity, as in being anonymous, having a different username instead of your personal name online. You think anonymity online is overrated or underrated? It's overrated, but I don't know if that's, if that's the right, I really don't like it. I really don't like the anonymous side of social media or that people change there because the, the, especially in Suriname, I think that's within our culture, within Suriname, we are already really good at having our 
masks up. We don't show our real feelings. We don't talk about our pain or, or we talk about frustration and negativity, et cetera, et cetera. But what we really feel, we don't really want to share with each other. We are not feeling safe enough to do that. So, you know, we don't even need Facebook to have that kind of mask. But now you have also Facebook in within the Suriname community. So the, 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 the films I try to make is I really want to start a conversation, but an honest conversation. And so it, it should be authentic, as authentic as possible. So we need to see each other. We need to meet each other. We need to be able to look each other in the eye, be willing to understand each other. And that's something I, I really miss in our country right now. So definitely for you, overrated. Overrated. Makes sense. That's interesting. I, I quickly want to jump on that, Diego, because something interesting happened today. So today I gave away a lot of NFTs. I started a Twitter account, which is saying giving NFTs and I give away NFTs online and I've been giving like five different giveaways I've done. And so I shared it on my own profile and in the giveaway account, it says that the giveaway account is owned by me. So I wanted to make it transparent that people know that it was my account and that I was behind it. So also to make sure that people know they're going to be able to get their prize if they get something. And then one of the artists who I'm actually giving a, one, a digital NFT, an art NFT, I'm giving one of his art uh, pieces that he made, I'm giving it away. And he replied on my profile saying like, hey, finally a giveaway account where it's somebody I know, it's a human that I know. And I was like, ah, I've never thought of that. A lot of these kind of giveaways on Twitter are like with anonymous accounts that you don't know who the person is behind it. And you kind of also don't even know if the people are giving it away. Like most of them who are legit are of course giving them away, but others just copy giveaway from original accounts and they post it as their own account just to get more followers. And then when the giveaway is over, they don't actually give away anything. So it's a really interesting thing that you brought it up. Yeah, because I think in the end, we all really want to get to know each I mean, not in the example you, you, you mentioned, it's, it happens a lot that you buy stuff from people you really don't really know, but I hope we, we get more attention to getting to know each other and, and see each other's faces and names and, and it's difficult in Suriname because you, if you have a name, which has a certain kind of, you know, like bad reputation, but it's not it's it's not you ha don't have that you're associated you're associated so we have we are this small country and and it's difficult but if we are not able to surpass that or break through that and i think it's something our generation really needs to start doing we will not have the conversations we need to have and and that's why i really feel like film is something that can support that Got it. To segue to the closing section of our little talk, Gregory said this is a much deeper conversation than our usual videos, so he likes it. Very interesting. Actually, before I go to my question, I see here I also had a question. 
how come no one likes economists? Oh, I, I was one. I was one. I, I didn't like, I wouldn't say I didn't like economists. I didn't like people working in, if I would hear that you would be working for a bank, I would immediately have a judgment. Because and the reason of it is that we have had we have had a banking crisis, of course. In Suriname, I had as when I was working as a journalist, I didn't trust people in positions that were responsible for the finances of our country. So there's a lot of distrust, and but there's also a lot of, and that's where I found out that my opinion of people working in the banking industry is not the right perception is that we don't have the right knowledge in how to judge and how to understand certain aspects of what we see in the media and we have to be honest i'm coming from, I, I came from the media we like to present a certain frame of of the financial system so there are a lot of factors that play a role in why we don't like econo economists or banking people or it's something we don't really understand easily it's when you see it from the outside you think oh that's not right that that doesn't really but I've changed my opinion a bit about it because I became the lobbyist of the banking industry. So, and there are a lot, there's a lot that's not right. And that's, there are still things that, but it's, you have those things in systems. I've, I've yeah. started to understand that being part of a system, some things will not be going right, but the intention of people is not always wrong. Right. Yeah, I think you hit on a very important point there that, that financial literacy is lacking for many. And that's where the perception comes. So I'm going to do a plug here. So that's why we also have Capital Convos, our <laughs> other show with Gregory, where we try to explore the financial economic space a bit more. A few episodes have already been released. We're releasing another one where we actually interviewed a data analyst working in the banking sector tomorrow. In, nice. Um, Barbados. So I'll check that out tomorrow. That's was my plug. And then to my final question to go full circle. I'm going back in the beginning, you mentioned that you came here to film and you said that people didn't want to, you know, talk in front of a camera and there's kind of this disconnect. And it kind of came back with that question of anonymity, not wanting to speak up. So I'm not sure what you can or what you want to share yet about the documentary but i want to give you this i guess the opportunity now to uh well, i can share uh, about yeah. the documentary tell us a bit about the scope or the, the core of the documentary so my curiosity started a lot of years ago i had this question about i grew up here in Suriname and didn't really learn a lot about our recent past and with the recent past, I would say after the time that we became independent, things are a bit vague, if I would say it like that. So I started this project and it got documented with a camera, but it wasn't really that I wasn't really aware of how, that I was making a film by doing that. It just happened to become this film. And, and the question was, why didn't I learn anything or 
let so why didn't I learn so little about the eighties, the coup, the 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 Pinalanza Orla, the 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 killings in on the eighth of December. Like everything, why did the coup happen? Why are those people got those people killed? So I handled all those questions when I started to do my research on it. So I made this first movie and I didn't understand what I got myself into and I couldn't get out a long time. I think I'm getting there now by making this uh, second movie where I asked the question, how do, how does a generation, we are the first generation that uh, didn't experience what happened in, in the eighties. How do we, how do we handle how do we handle the history of it? Because it's still a part of, of what we see today. They are the same people from then are running our, our government here. So the question that's really the central question in this documentary is how can we put it behind us and how can we start a new narrative for our generation or, and the generations to come because I think it's time to close, I, I think it's time to close a chapter for myself. That's why I'm making this movie because I wanted to get it out of my system. And hopefully it does something for Suriname or for our community as well. And I really focus on our generation because we have this opportunity. We also have, I think, a responsibility to change the narrative of our country. But before we are able to do that, we need to be able to look at that, at the past, to confront it, to talk about it, and hopefully be able to switch to the, to our future. And in this film, I, I talk to different kinds of people and ask the question, like, how do we get past this thing that is still holding us back in a certain way? So I know we want to talk about the future, but I have a question about the past. Mm -hmm. If you would be able, like you've read about the history of, or independence, the history of Suriname in general, if you were able to interview anyone, anyone that lived in Suriname over the past two centuries, who would you like to interview if that was a possibility? Like if the person could be brought back to life, for instance, who would you like to have spent an hour with to ask questions and why? It's a really deep question. I'm not, I'm not going to pin you on it personally. Like if we meet like in six months and you say somebody else, because some new things come up, I don't mind. But like, if you have to think of. One person right now, who would you go for? Walter, sir. And then I want to follow it up. At what age? At his current age, or if you had the opportunity to interfere at a certain age because of a certain time frame? Then I would like to meet him at two two time periods before the eighties and after 1982. 
So haven't thought about it in that way, but being, being so connected to this subject now and, and the subject, I mean, this, the history I'm researching and I'm focusing on, I would want to know, know what his reasons and what his, how did he get from point e, A to B? And I don't understand it. I really don't understand it. And if I, if you ask me that question, then I would say, I would like to understand that. How do you guys reflect on that? I think it's an interesting process. I think all the books that I have here in my collection that reflect on those periods, I think you've probably read them already, but that's interesting. I might have gone for somebody else, maybe a little bit more towards someone like Doguru or Anton de Com. From recent history, yes, I think he's one of the most interesting figures to like pick his brain on the decisions that he has made and the opportunities that he has created for himself. Yeah, and it's not just about picking his brain, it's about confronting, it's about, you know, like, I'm a bit frustrated, what, uh, not a bit, I'm really frustrated about what happened in our history. And I'm not able to understand it. And, and that's why I would want to have that confrontation. Silence. Diego is so silent at the moment. He's just like, okay, yeah, okay. No, I, 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 I don't really have anything to add to that. Actually, I, I, I don't have any particular person in mind, but it's very good to hear what you would do and just the thought process behind that, I think is very important coming back to the curiosity that you've mentioned before, because you can't, yeah, think things change and you don't know what, why, what, how. So just having that, I think closure or open openness, be it good or bad can make a significant difference to propel forward and close that chapter. And I think you mentioned it very, very well for you because you're so close to it. It would make sense. I, I could definitely see that. So th that's, that's the last thing I, I'd add to that. But yeah, Shandoki, you, you, you've ended it on a really... It's a cliffhanger. It's a cliffhanger. So if you heard this conversation, you want to hear more and you really want to dive into how our generation thinks about the history about what is considered the dictatorship of the 80s and how it happened, what's the thought process behind it, how our generation deals with it, both from a problem-solving perspective, but also from a, a confrontational perspective, you should follow Ananta. And then the question, of course, as always, Ananta is, if people want to join in on the conversation, if people want to learn more about the documentary you made and the one you are currently making, where can they connect with you? Instagram. I like to have my conversation about this on Instagram. And my Instagram name is Akimraj. Of nee, it is Ananta Kimraj. I changed it. 
we'll be sure to link the correct one later on. So, and hopefully Instagram will not go down in any near future when you need it. So <laughs> yesterday was a fluke, probably, but a good example why we need to move to a bit more web 3.0 decentralization, but that is a topic for another day, another cliffhanger. So be sure to follow Ananta. If you want to have a conversation with her, uh, you heard a tiny bit, a tad bit of the iceberg and she wants to have these conversations, you know, feel free to Always. And everyone who tuned in, asked some questions, gave some feedback, appreciate you guys tuning in. So yeah, this episode, the audio podcast version will be released on Saturdays. Ananta, we want to thank you again. I think you were the first guest we randomly met before we actually had the session. Yeah. That was very, very it, cool. It, it shouldn't happen like this because this conversation also, I needed to have those, I needed to have been asked those questions because I, I'm going to take it into my film. So wow. thank you guys for this uh, conversation. With pleasure. Shanluk, if you have anything to add, feel free and then you can close us off and then we go backstage again. <laughs> Hi guys. I would say download signal. Just kidding. Just kidding. I'm not saying that at all. So thank you all for the beautiful feedback in the comments, the questions that have been asked in the comments. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you, Ananta. Thank you, Diego. This has been Social Confos. See you back next week. Same place, same time. Bye-bye. Bye.